0: We got the alternative energy right. on free autonomy we
1: And
2: what welcome we to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network
1: Hello and welcome, I'm Ka This week's Red Show has been recorded and produced On the unceded lands of the Wadjuk Noongar Or better known as Perth For 3CR Melbourne And broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network On this week's show, you'll hear the recordings from the recent Yellow Cake Country webinar, Uranium and Nuclear Weapons. You'll listen to the update on the Nuclear Free WA campaign from me, and then tune in to International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, or ICANN, Australia's excellent co-founders Dave Sweeney and Dimity Hawkins, and to ICANN Ambassador and former Federal MP Melissa Park. We only have time for part of the webinar, so this is part one of a two-part series in which you'll hear the final story Dimity shares and from Scott Ludlam, former Senator and ICAN Ambassador, on the next part.
2: In WA there are four proposed uranium mines. There's Mulga Rock, Waluna, Iliri and Kintyre, and all four projects have state and federal environmental approval with conditions. The focus of the campaign currently is to continue our strong relationships with each of the four communities, mostly with traditional owners, and contest and challenge the uranium industry at every opportunity. We continually track each campaign through different methods such as freedom of information requests, questions in parliament, and work with the government and department agencies to make sure none of the companies receive any further approvals and that they also comply to the approved conditions. And then we take the campaign publicly like these events, like these webinars, we do stalls and speaking events all around WA. So the Mulga Rock proposed uranium project is uh, just outside of Kalgoorlie. It's entirely inside the Yellow Sand Pri- uh, Priority Ecological Community, and it's upstream from the Queen Victorian Springs A-Class Nature Reserve. The area is listed as prist- relatively pristine with no weeds or feral animals, and is home to the rare and endangered species, including the Sun Sun, sandhill dunart, the marsupial mole, the mulgara and the rainbow bee eater. BIMI Resources is a proponent of Mulga Rock and has routinely denied the connection of Aboriginal people to this area, despite this area being part of the Seven Sisters Song Line. Today, we are investigating secondary approvals by working with the government and department agencies where the project with the project inconsistencies and non-disclosure to ASIC. Yuliri, going further north from Kalgoorlie is in the Northern Goldfields region, is one of the richest deposits of uranium in WA. And this project has been subject to a three-year court battle with Conservation Council of WA and three JUAL native title holders taking the proponent Cameco and the state government to court over the government's flawed approval of the project that would knowingly cause the extinction of up to 12 species. Although the court case result was disappointing, many positive events have occurred. The three Jewel women won the 2019 Australian Conservation Foundation's Rawlinson Award. The Ulliri court case is being used as a case study for environmental law reform. And the grant applications are being submitted today to tell the 40 year plus campaign story to protect country. So we're working strongly with the community and hopeful um, that the campaign will visit Ulliri this year. So just next door to Ulliri pretty much is Walluna Uranium Project. And this plans to use, the project plans to use about 6.0, point or nearly 7 million litres of water a day, generating 50 million tonnes of radioactive mine waste to be stored in a floodplain. The proposal to mine four uranium deposits at Centipede, Millipede, Lakeway and the Lake Maitland deposits. For the last couple of years, Toro Energy, which is the proponent, um, has stated that the uranium price is far too low for them to do anything. They're an inexperienced and unproven uranium company. They've also failed this year to comply with their reporting conditions when Waluna was flooded earlier this year, and the campaign exposed this to the public through a social media campaign and to the government. And we're waiting on some Freedom of Information requests for further information to assist in the direction that we take on this proposal. And the fourth project is the Kintyre uranium deposit, which was carved out of the Kala WA's biggest national park to allow for mining. This project has no valid environmental approval currently as the state approval expired earlier this year. So currently the campaign is pushing the government to require the proponent Cameco to rehabilitate the site from pre from previous exploration, and there's also um, an opportunity for the Mardu traditional owners to negotiate with Cameco and the government for a new land form, um, a new form of land tenure to give the area back to the Mardu. And at the moment, um, there's a an art project happening up there, which is really exciting, and there'll be more information on that um, to come out. But each proposal has been met with really strong community opposition, mostly from traditional owners, and today we've been successful. Today we can successfully say that there are no operating uranium mines in Western Australia. The campaign will continue to advocate to keep uranium in the ground and can keep our unique environment cleaner, healthier and nuclear-free. So from the campaign here in WA to stop uranium mining to to hearing from activists stopping nuclear power plants, to the waste dump campaign in South Australia, and to tonight's webinar on nuclear weapons. Each part of the nuclear industry highlights the very real threat to the land, to water, indigenous cultures and local communities. It is important to share these stories from all aspects of the toxic nuclear industry so that we can continue our work towards a nuclear-free future. But I will pass it over to Australian Conservation Foundation's nuclear-free campaigner and ICANN Foundation member, Dave Sweeney.
3: Thanks very much, K.A. Me, I'm talking tonight from the lands of Wurundjeri lands, Kulin Nations in Melbourne. Um, And it's a very potent night, really, because um, tomorrow it's sort of 75 years since the world changed, utterly, I'd say. We went from knowing we could do massive damage to each other to knowing that we could finish each other. And since 1945, we have lived under the shadow of nuclear weapons and nuclear destruction. And that is a profoundly damaging state of being for the body politic and for the body itself, for people individually and for our globe collectively. To live under the shadow of um, you know, an immediate existential threat is profoundly damaging. And as we will hear tonight, the the risks, the costs, the toxic cultural and political impacts and above all, the existential threat that is posed by nuclear weapons remain very present and very real. So tonight we gather to remember and honour the nuclear victims of the past, but we also gather as a crew to reaffirm our commitment to work to end these worst of all weapons. So we're both respecting the past and protecting the future in order to use this time to amplify not just a valid and important recognition of the past, but an urgent call, a clarion call for action moving forward. So look, I think most of you will be familiar with the, the adage of think globally, act locally. Well, the first speaker tonight started locally and then has taken her concerns and her expertise globally. Melissa Park started her career as a principal solicitor at the Bunbury Community Legal Centre. Um, and currently continuing that long-standing legal and advisory work with the United Nations, most recently through her involvement with the UN's group of eminent experts on Yemen. Along the way, Melissa was the Labor federal member for FRIO, for Fremantle, from 2007 to 2016. And a big shout-out to FRIO. It's quite an extraordinary place, that nuclear FRIO. It is an activist heartland. It has a strong anti-nuclear council. It had Melissa Park. It has a clear local member now in Josh Wilson, who speaks strongly and clearly against this industry. Um, And it just has, it's like the revolution happened and we won that part of the world. Um, So for those in FRIO and for CCWA people who put on this uh, event, thanks so much. As well as all of this, Melissa was also the federal... Minister for International Development in the Rudd government. She was key in starting the UN's ethics office and has had close involvement in the reality of conflict in Kosovo, in Lebanon and in Gaza and also in Yemen. Her insights on the importance of global action are very valuable and it's really good to have you with us tonight. Thanks, Melissa.
0: All right. Hi hi again, everybody. Uh, Thanks for tuning into this webinar uh, on the eve of this really important anniversary. And I want to say big thanks to the Conservation Council of WA for hosting, uh, as well as ACF and ICANN for for being part of the event. And uh, I'd like to acknowledge that I'm speaking from unceded Wadjuk Noongar Budja and pay tribute to Noongar Elders and to First Australians all over Australia for their long history of sustainable management of and care for the land, the air and the water in this country. And uh, I'm really happy to be here with K.A., Dave, Dimity, Scott and Jem who collectively have an enormous amount of knowledge and history on this issue and I'm sure there are many people watching who've been engaged for a long time too, including uh, over in Japan. Um, I've been... I've been lucky to know Dave since the late 90s, I think it was Dave, uh, when I was on the National Council of ACF and Dave was even then um, the nuclear campaigner. And Scott and I go back to about the same era when we were part of a campaign to stop a nuclear waste dump in WA. And of course, we were then later parliamentary colleagues in Canberra and engaged on nuclear issues as members of the Joint Treaties Committee and, parliamentary groups. I met Jem and Dimity from ICANN more recently when I was an MP and became a patron of the Tom Uren Memorial Fund, which raises funds for ICANN, and later became an ICANN Ambassador. Now, for those who may not be aware, uh, the late Tom Uren was a member of Parliament for 32 years. He um, served as a minister in the Whitlam and Hawke Labor Governments, and he was a passionate anti-nuclear and peace activist. He'd been a prisoner of war of the Japanese at the Omuta camp, some 80 kilometers uh, from Nagasaki. And when he was there, he witnessed the second uh, US atomic bombing. And he said about that, that I will never forget as long as I live, the color of the sky on the day the Americans dropped the atomic bomb on that city on 9 August 1945. The sky was crimson. And when he returned to Japan 15 years later, he witnessed the ongoing devastation in Nagasaki. Now, unlike Tom Yuren, I have not witnessed an atomic bomb in person, uh, but I have witnessed the deployment of depleted uranium in Kosovo, and the killing of civilians and the bombing of schools, hospitals and homes in Gaza. Um, One of the most moving moments of my life was attending a ceremony in Gaza City at the harbour in the uh, early evening of 6th of August, 2002 uh, to commemorate the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, School children in Gaza had prepared hundreds of little paper boats with candles in them and they lit the candles and set them afloat in the harbour. And it was was beautiful, it was moving and it it, it was extraordinary that children who were themselves being subjected to an horrific bombing campaign on a daily basis were remembering children in another time and another place who had been... Bombed. And the devastation, both human and environmental, seen in Japan in 1945 and afterwards demonstrated conclusively that humanity and nuclear weapons cannot coexist. And indeed, as US President Obama said in 2016, Hiroshima teaches this truth technological progress without an equivalent progress in human institutions, will doom us. And I'm sure everyone who grew up in the second half of the 20th century will vividly recall the common childhood nightmare of nuclear annihilation. Uh, In 1970, the Treaty on the Non-Proliferation of Nuclear Weapons, or NPT, prohibited nuclear weapon states Uh, non-nuclear weapon states, I should say, um, from developing nuclear weapons and at the same time required nuclear weapon states to disarm. But when the Cold War ended, the issue seemed to drop off the public radar and instead of disarming, nuclear weapon states proceeded to modernise their arsenals away from the glare of community attention. uh, While other countries began to develop their own Nuclear programs, because as noted by Australia's former um, UN ambassador Richard Butler, as long as any state holds nuclear weapons, others will seek to acquire them. And so the failure of nuclear weapon states to disarm has led directly to proliferation, which of course multiplies exponentially the risk of intentional and unintentional nuclear calamities. Richard Butler wrote, that the notion that there will always be fail-safe systems and that those will be in the firm control of persons at the highest level of decision-making responsibility has proved to be unreliable. Our experience to date has been shaped as much by good fortune as by good management. In a climate of great global tension, nuclear weapon states have insisted that their weapons are necessary as a deterrent to others, But the concept of nuclear deterrence requires rational behavior by all those who control nuclear weapons. Do we really have confidence that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and US President Donald Trump, just to name two, will always behave rationally in not launching an attack on other nuclear states or their allies? The nuclear deterrence policy also assumes that nuclear weapons make the world safer not more dangerous. And patently, the reverse is true. The production, testing and possession of nuclear weapons pose inherent risks, let alone the use of such weapons. And there have already been a number of close calls, just the Cuban Missile Crisis. A few years ago, the comedian social commentator John Oliver brilliantly summed up in a few minutes the folly of nukes, especially the potential for nuclear devastation by incompetence or accident. And I highly recommend Googling his YouTube clips on nuclear issues. Uh, As we know, ICANN won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2017, yay. Uh, And what an incredible achievement. Um, And it was for its work in drawing attention to the catastrophic humanitarian consequences of any use of nuclear weapons, as well as for its groundbreaking efforts to achieve a treaty-based prohibition of nuclear weapons. Um, So ICANN had organised conferences where they heard from courageous survivors of nuclear war and nuclear testing about the consequences of a nuclear blast. And as Professor Tillman Ruff, one of the co-founders of ICANN, described it, they told the human story of lived transgenerational suffering of people under the mushroom cloud, and they are the most compelling advocates that what happened to them must never again happen to anyone, anywhere. The ICANN conferences heard about how biological weapons, chemical weapons, landmines, cluster munitions had all been banned under international law, while nuclear weapons, the worst weapons of all, remained the only weapons of mass destruction, not explicitly prohibited under international law. And so it was decided that the legal gap should be filled and so that's uh, what began the, the push for a treaty to ban nuclear weapons. And in July 2016, the UN General Assembly adopted that treaty by an overwhelming vote Uh, It needs 50 ratifications to enter into force, and I think there are now 40, but please correct me if I'm wrong about that. Um, The preamble to the treaty acknowledges the harm suffered as a result of nuclear weapons, including the disproportionate impact on women and girls and on Indigenous peoples around the world. And here in Australia, for many Indigenous and service personnel victims of British colonial nuclear testing at Maralinga, Emu Field and the Montebello Islands in the 50s and 60s, the treaty and its acknowledgement of harm suffered was a long time coming. Um, And I, I think it's fair to say the treaty has been the biggest leap forward for nuclear disarmament in decades. Unfortunately, the treaty has so far been boycotted by the nuclear weapon states, along with almost all of their allies, including, shamefully, Australia and Japan, which for decades were together at the forefront of nuclear disarmament initiatives. It is part of Australia's official defence policy to be under the US nuclear umbrella. Uh, But while ever we allow our government to keep nuclear weapons in our defence doctrine and foreign affairs policy, we are legitimising weapons that are designed and intended to cause massive humanitarian harm. And that's why um, eight years ago, on Australia Day 2012, Tom Uren, former Prime Minister Malcolm Fraser, were among 800 Order of Australia recipients, including former Governors-General, Foreign Affairs and Defence Ministers, Premiers, Governors, High Court Judges and Chiefs of Armed Forces, who called on the Australian government to adopt a nuclear weapons-free defence posture and work towards a nuclear weapons convention. Well, there is a convention now, and Australia's refusal to ratify that convention is out of step with Australian community opinion. A 2017 opinion poll asked, do you think nuclear weapons make the world safer? 77% of Australians said no. 73% supported a ban. People of goodwill everywhere recognise that these depraved weapons should have no place in this world. Unfortunately, the present coalition government is opposed to the nuclear ban treaty, but federal Labor has pledged support for it. So we're hopeful a future Labor government will sign and ratify the treaty. But whatever the party in power... We need to keep building on efforts to create a bigger civil society movement, especially among young people, to ensure it is inevitable that Australia signs the treaty, that it enters into force, and that nuclear weapons become uh, history. Because cities are the main targets for nuclear weapons, there are 8,000 cities around the world, including 90 here in Australia, calling for an end to nuclear weapons through the mayor's for Peace Campaign. And so we can try to ensure that all of our local governments are part of this campaign. We can get our local schools involved in the campaign too, and we can write letters to local and national newspapers and to our federal MPs, or better still, seek an appointment and ask them face to face to support the treaty and to get others to support the treaty. The existential threat of climate change and the need for urgent action is firmly on most people's radars these days, as is the need to guard against uh, pandemics like coronavirus. But there is another imminent threat, a danger, that does not receive the attention it deserves. And we all need to ask ourselves, what can we do as citizens, as neighbours, as families and as communities to raise awareness and to take some action because the nuclear threat is ever present ever present and it's wrong. so i'll stop there um say back to you dave
3: lisa that's fantastic you could keep going for a long time that makes so much sense and it's fantastic thanks for sharing that the gaza story um Tommy Wren's story and tom who famously said one that rings true for me uranium is guilty until it's proven innocent and <laughs> that is absolutely spot on this that um that, you know, humanity and nuclear weapons cannot coexist. Thanks so much for your work and for your um, very effective ambassadorship in your role with ICANN. It's a really important story. And that challenge of of getting past psychic numbing, engaging people, making this vast thing seem that there can be steps that ordinary people can take um, is one of our great challenges in this campaign. So thanks for highlighting that as well. One, I suppose the next speaker is one who's put a lot of thought into that and, and has shown, I think, absolutely shown that, um, that people um, can make a massive difference against the big machine. Um, Timmy Hawkins is a long-term advocate and activist. She's now adding another A to the list as an academic. Um, she's been a very strong and effective voice around women's peace environment. Justice and nuclear free politics for quite a few years. She's currently, she's also um, got very strong connections with the Pacific and particularly with Fiji. And she's currently doing a PhD at Swinburne Uni in Melbourne on Fiji's response to Pacific nuclear testing and the linkages with independence and decolonisation. Dimini is a co founder of ICANN and has been uh, very instrumental person in shaping and continuing ICANN's work and she was recognised for her contribution to these services for nuclear disarmament with um, an Order of Australia medal in 2019. So maybe that's one more A as well, you yeah, AM, academic, activist, advocate and uh, really great pleasure to be joined by Timothy here tonight.
4: Thank you, Dave. That's a very lovely, warm welcome, and I really appreciate it. Um, thank you, uh, Ka and Dave, for asking me to speak tonight. I want to first acknowledge, uh, as others have done, where I am speaking from. So I'm here in Nam, in Melbourne, a place that's still very much in the grips of a winter lockdown, a hard time of year in a hard year. I want to pay respects to the elders of this place, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, To their elders, past and present and still emerging, and to all the elders joining from other places around this wonderful big country, which has never been ceded. I also want to pay my respects to a different set of elders, those from another country, the hibakusha, or the atomic bomb survivors of Japan. Tomorrow they will mark, as others have said, the first of two very important anniversaries. So, Dave asked if I would speak tonight about the importance of honouring the past and protecting the future. So, I thought I'd start by thinking back those three quarters of a century ago. 75 years ago, our region was still being rent apart by a world war. It was a war that was shifting, and so too was the weaponry. The war had been grinding on for years. People were tired, the global death tolls were really high. Many economies were tanking. In some ways, it feels very now. This was the second global war in a second generation on the back of another pandemic a 100 years ago, and it had worn people down. But at the same time, seemingly tirelessly, the weapons manufacturers were hard at work, and a new weapon had just been trialled in the deserts of New Mexico, a fearful weapon, that had taken years and the genius of hundreds of scientists to create, agreed to by allied leaders a secret terror to be unleashed with the expectation of mass destruction. So on the morning of the 6th of August, as children were arriving in schools and women and men were turning up at work or going about their business, the US Enola Gay appeared in the skies above Hiroshima. Survivors tell devastating stories of what happened that morning and that afternoon and in the days that followed as they desperately sought out their loved ones or watched them die. From the time of the bomb drop to the end of the year, there was an estimated 145,000 people who died. The figures are never really known. It was a device using uranium and it had a yield equivalent of 15 kilotons of TNT. It flattened the city. It turned people and places at ground zero to mere shadows or ashes and left hundreds of thousands dying, often in excruciatingly slow waves, ever outwards.
1: Thanks so much to Dave Sweeney, Melissa Park and Dimity Hawkins for sharing their stories on the recent Uranium and Nuclear Weapons webinar. This was only part one of a two-part series and you'll hear more next time from Dimity Hawkins and Scott Ludlam. It was a powerful event, And the story shared is a great portrait of the effectiveness and brilliance of the ICANN campaign and the treaty to ban nuclear weapons. They remind us all of how ordinary people, when working collectively, creatively and consistently, have the ability to make a difference. And they are making a difference. To learn more, please go to CCWA nuclear-free website at www.ccwa.org.au forward slash nuclearfreewa and the Can website at www.icanw.org.au. The Radioactive Show is on Facebook and past episodes and podcasts are available on the 3CR website. Go to www.3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for more news, views on nuclear peace and energy issues.